And so this morning we start a new series called Hello, It's Me. Hello, it's me. Oh, you youth have just let me down big time. I put it up on Facebook this week that we're doing this series, Hello, It's Me, and Madison puts the next line of the song in in the comments, and she was hoping that somebody would add to that. We're just before you know it, we had an Adelphon, but that didn't happen. So, so it's this morning is it's part one of Hello, It's Me, and this message is called Getting Ready to Hear. Getting Ready to Hear. You see, um, I don't know about you, but um, uh, there are occasions in our family where I can say things to my children, but they don't hear. Does anybody? Understand what I'm saying? So you can ask them to do all sorts of things and they don't hear, but the minute they hear the oven door open and the roast chicken come out, all of a sudden they're there. You don't have to ask them to come for food, do you? It's like they're nowhere to be seen, they haven't listened to you all day, but as soon as you open the chocolate, they're there in front of you. It's like they they have this incredible hearing. Their doors are closed, they're off in their own little worlds, headphones on, listening to music, but as soon as the chocolate wrapper opens, they're in the lounge. But when you ask them to load the dishwasher, they can't hear you. And so this morning, I want to talk about getting ready to hear because the thing is, is that we need to understand that in order for us to hear, we've got to get ready to hear because otherwise we don't really know. I mean, one of the big questions I've always asked myself and I've had to learn is, how do I know this is God speaking to me? How do I know it's not the devil speaking to me? Or how do I know it's not the pizza I had last night? Or, or has anybody ever had one of them dreams that seems so realistic, you're angry with your husband or your wife the next day, even though it was just a dream that night and it's not real? Ever, ever had that? I had a dream once that, that Trinity went off and spent a whole lot of money and did this whole thing and abandoned me and the kids and just took off of her friends and, and I wake up in the morning really angry with her. It was just a dream. She actually didn't do it. But, but you know, and so we, we need to get to grips with this whole thing about, okay, how do we know this is God? Because here's the thing. It's, it's not that God is silent. God speaks. In fact, God is always speaking. God never stops speaking. I don't think we really understand the power of His voice. You know, in the book of Genesis chapter 1, there's these four words. Jesus, God said, let there be light. And ever since that time, stars and galaxies and universes have been created off those four words. It's not like he said, let there be light, then there was light and that was it. No, no, light is continually being created. Stars are continually being formed. Universes are continually being made. Galaxies are continually coming to pass. Next, just finding more and more and more of them. Why? Because when God speaks something, it keeps going. It doesn't stop. His voice is so powerful that when he says, let there be light, it just goes on forever. Remember the Bible says this, it never returns empty. In other words, it's got to go out and accomplish everything that it's set out to do before it can come back to him. And so those words just completely, totally are just still forming light. That's how powerful his voice is. God speaks and God speaks all the time. In John 10, 3 to 5, it says this about you and I. It says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, that is God, and the sheep, where the sheep, listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. Everyone say ahead of them. 
and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And so God is saying here in this story that we're the sheep and the sheep actually have an ability. We actually have the ability to know the shepherds that is Jesus' voice. I love the fact that he goes before us because I need him to go before me. Before I answer that email, you know what I'm talking about? Before I respond to my children, before I respond to my wife, before I respond to the person that said something to me, I need Jesus to go before me. I need to hear his voice before I respond. Or am I the only person in the building that's like that? I don't know about you, but when I, was, when I used to work for Deutz before I was pastoring, when I get those dumb emails, you know, those emails which have been sent to you by an idiot that's amazing, they have a brain between their two ears, you know, those people. I always wrote what I really thought in my first email, deleted it. And by the time I got to about the fifth time I read in the email, it was the kind of email Jesus would send. And uh, I need him to go before me. I need him to go before me so I can hear his voice. And here's the thing, they don't get pulled to a competing voice. It says that they don't listen to the stranger's voice. In fact, if they hear a stranger's voice, they run away from it. They are so in tune, sheep can be so in tune to Jesus' voice, to the shepherd's voice, that when a stranger's voice comes, they know to run from it. They don't even hang around. Now, back in Jesus' day, this was so crucial because shepherds didn't have, you know, fences and stuff like that to keep the sheep within. The sheep literally knew the shepherd's voice. And so they would follow him. He'd say, come on. And they would come and follow him. And they'd follow him wherever he was going. And if two herds of sheep came together, it, there wasn't a problem because both herds knew their shepherd's voice. They never got distracted by the other shepherd's voice and went off with him. They stayed with their shepherd. And Jesus is saying here that we have an ability, that God has given us an ability to hear his voice and not the competing voices. Why? So that you'll know his will. It says this in Luke 8.8. 8, it says, he who has ears to hear... Let him hear. Has anybody here got ears to hear? <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm not sure my kids do. I think they're painted on. But the scripture is saying, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, he's saying, it's not that God has a speaking problem. It's that we have a listening problem. It's not that he's not speaking. We're just not tuned in and listening. You know, I was sitting in the lounge last night and saying all these wonderful, lovely things to my wife about how much I loved her and how amazing she was and how beautiful she is. But because she had her nose stuck in a book, she didn't even hear a thing, single thing I said. Just not even, you know, just fell on deaf ears. Waste of my time. See, I didn't have a speaking problem. She had a listening problem. And so what we need to do is we need to learn how to cut through all the noise and tune in to his voice. And so we're going to have a look at a parable this morning. We're going to look at some of the things that we need to cut out and what we need to do so that we can hear his voice. Are you good with that? Let's just pray for a moment. Father, I thank you that you're here in this place. I thank you, God, that you are speaking to us. And your word says, he who has ears that hear, let him hear. And so, Father, we pray right now that you'd open our ears, not just our physical ears, but our spiritual ears, 
to what it is that you would say to us this morning and let us leave here richer in everything that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. There's this great parable in Luke chapter 8, verse 5 to 8, and it says this, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among weeds, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And then we get Jesus' words again in verse 8. It says, when he said this, when he told this story, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You see, in Luke 8, 11, it says this, because Jesus actually decides to explain the parable to the, to the disciples. Jesus didn't always do this. He didn't always explain his stories. Some of them he leaves for us to learn for ourselves. But in this one, he decided that he was going to explain to them what it meant. And he says this in verse 11 of chapter 8. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. So this parable is actually about how to hear his voice. It's actually about God speaking. And it, and it isn't that God isn't speaking. In this parable, he's, he's saying that God is speaking, but some falls on the path, some on the rocky ground, some on around the weeds, and some in good soil. And he's actually talking about you and I, the four stages of our hearts. And so what he's saying is it's not that God isn't speaking, it's just that his seed or his word is just sometimes landing in the wrong place. And it lands in the wrong place when our hearts are in the wrong place. They didn't have a Bible back then, so they're not referring to the word of God here. They're referring to the spoken word. Because they didn't have Bibles back in Jesus' day. So Jesus is explaining to them how God speaks, what stops us from hearing him speak by using a parable about a farmer. The great thing is, is that he explains to them what it means, and that helps us tremendously this morning. And we're going to break down those four different stages, the path, the rocky ground, the weeds, and the good soil. And we're going to learn what we need to stop doing and what we need to start doing so that we're ready to hear what he has to say. Because I don't know about you, but when we have like a call the kids into the room, because we need to talk to them about something. Does anybody have those kind of like family meetings? Yeah. What do, you, what do you say to your kids? Look at me and listen to me. In other words, what you're saying, get ready to hear me. Get off your phone. Yes. Tune in. Don't roll your eyes. <laughs> Look at me. Because I need you to hear what I'm saying. And so if we want to hear what he is saying... We actually need to tune in. We need to get ready to hear. We need our hearts ready to hear. And in Luke 8, 12, he explains the first thing. He says, those along the path, everyone say path, are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that it may not believe and be saved. This first state of our heart, I call it the deaf heart. The deaf heart, the seed is sown but it lands on the path and it's taken away immediately. It's like it was never heard. It's like it never turned up. The heart 
is so deaf it can't hear what God is saying. There's a story about an opera singer, and this opera singer was an incredible opera singer and had been for years and years and years, but started to become deaf to certain uh, notes within his vocab, within his ability, within his range. He, he, he had no problem within his range, but different notes within his range, all of a sudden he had become deaf to her, couldn't hear the notes anymore. And he went to a whole lot of doctors to try and work out what the problem was. Was it his, you know, what, what was it his voice? What was going on? And he finally came across a man called Dr. Tomatus, not tomato, tomatus. And I'm not even going to try and explain what his, the technical word for him as a doctor, but basically as a doctor, his job was as he went around, he's more like a sound engineer, and he used to measure decibel levels. And what he discovered is that with this opera singer, when he measured the decibel leaders a meter from his mouth, the opera singer was producing 140 decibels one meter from his mouth. Now, if you don't understand how loud that is, that's louder than a jet taking off an aircraft carrier. It's loud, yeah? And so what he had discovered is that for all these years, this man had been singing at 140 decibels, a meter from his mouth, and what had happened is that he had become deaf, deaf to notes by his own voice. His voice was so loud when he'd sing that he had become deaf to certain notes. I want to tell you this morning that we become deaf when our self-talk is so loud that we can't hear what God says. Our self-talk, I'm nobody, I'm useless, I'm hopeless, I don't have an education, why would anybody want to use me? I've got this in my past, I've made these bad decisions, I made this decision, I made that decision, and, and, and I've done drugs, and I've done all these sorts, and it's killed my brain cells, and now I can't even get it. Uh, and our, our self-talk, or, or our condemnation about our decisions that we made, has become so loud that we're actually now deafened to the Word of God. We're deafened to, I'm a child of God, that's who I am. Who the Son sets free is free, and it was so deaf to what He's trying to tell us because our self-talk is so loud, our decisions that we're made, we're so regretted by them, we just can't hear His voice because our heart has become deaf to His Word because our words have become louder than His. Or somebody has done something to you that you just can't hear what Jesus has to say. The church has abused you so bad. Some of you have come from such religious, legalistic, and in my opinion, demonic churches where you've just been condemned. Women have been crushed and told they have to submit to every man on the planet completely and totally unbiblical, undoctrinal, wrong interpretation of scripture and you've just been squashed by the church or or you've just been in a church where all they've ever wanted is money and they just always ask you for and so you can't hear what he's saying because of what has been done to you and so when he comes to speak to you about how he wants to liberate your finances you can't hear him because of what was done to you has deafened you to what he's trying to say are you with me this morning it's, it's called the deaf heart and I believe that if you would just shut down your voice, you might start to hear his voice. 
goes on in the parable in verse 13 and it says the seed on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message with joy like they get it and they're like woohoo this is awesome but since their roots don't go down very deep they believe for a while but they wilt when the hot winds of testing blows if something happens if something else is competing with what God has said you hear it and you're like man this is so awesome but then you leave the place or you leave this place or you leave your quiet time, you go into your day and something happens, a circumstance or a situation which starts to compete with what God just said to you. And all of a sudden that thing that gripped you really, really quickly is all but gone because it's wilted away under the heat of testing. You come to church and you're like, man, that's the best message I've ever heard. It's probably like that for you guys every week especially when I'm preaching. And uh, I'm just joking. And you come out of church and you're like, man, I'm going to make that change, man. I'm, I'm determined, but tomorrow, bang, something happens. Something happens. It just shakes the truth that you just got. And before you know it, by the end of the day, maybe because of the circumstances, you've forgotten what you heard on Sunday, and it's like you didn't even hear it at all. It's like it never, ever happened. It's like you never, ever heard it. Why? Because this is the second thing that I call the first one was a deaf heart. The second thing is the distracted heart. We miss what God is saying because we get distracted by the competing voices. Distractions can be good things. It doesn't have to just be bad things. But something happens which competes with God's word. It's a little bit like being at a shopping mall. Have you ever been in a shopping mall with your kids and, and you're like yelling out, Yo, Seth! Madison, you know, and it's like, are they deaf? They can't hear me, you know, and you're yelling more and more and everyone's looking around at you like you're some sort of weirdo because you're yelling. And, and the reason why they can't hear you is because there's all this talk going on in the shopping mall. You're competing with every other voice in that shopping mall trying to get your kids to hear you. God speaks to us and all these other voices are speaking and we just, the heart gets distracted so quickly from what God has said, because it's competing amongst so many things. You know what my biggest distraction is? Um, you know, I'm going to confess to you this morning, confession is good for the soul, but it's bad for your reputation. But my, my biggest problem is my phone, because I, I love my phone, and I have a Bible app on my phone, which has version. And it has like reading plans. It has my playlist for worship so that I can pray. And so I can sit there with my phone and I can read my Bible. I can read my reading plan and have my worship all going in the background to spend time with Jesus. But I have this, I have this problem. I have this problem. I, I can't have unread emails on my phone. Just can't have it. It's, I just can't. I don't know about you. Is, any, is anybody like me? You, notifications have to be looked at immediately. I can't have any red ones, twos, threes, or fours. You know, even, you know, even when, you, when updates, updates have to be done straight away. And then when the updates are done, they have a little blue light that says the update has been done, or that blue light has to go. It can't stay. My phone has to be clean. It has to be clean, so I'm just going to make sure it gets cleaned up, and then I'll spend time with Jesus. 
an hour later, no time with Jesus and just completely distracted by my phone. So you know what I've had to do? I've had to go old school. I now, I now read a Bible with pages. It's like you can turn them yourself. It's really cool. And I have this journal with a pen. And, and, and instead of having my phone singing worship, I sing worship to myself. Praise God, I'm the only one that can hear. I've, I've just had to go old school because my phone is just such a major distraction to me. Is it? Am I the only one here? It's like this. It's just so distracting. They say this, that the average 17 to 18-year-old spends seven and a half hours a day on their phone. Seven and a half hours a day on your phone. It's crazy. Yeah. What a waste. It's nearly 40 hours, a, well, more than 40 hours a week. It's nearly 56 hours a week spent on your phone. So I've, I've, I've learned, and Trina will tell you, sometimes now I leave my phone in the car, I don't even realize I've got, it's not on me because I've just decided it's a distraction. It can just, you know, just turn it off. Get the distractions out because then you can hear God, I think, I think that all of hell is trying to stop us from hearing from God. And they will use anything, good, bad, or ugly, to make sure you don't hear from Him. When you're distracted, it's just something competes and distracts the heart. Listen to this story in Luke 10, 39 to 40, about Mary and Martha. It says this, she had a sister, that is Martha, had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening. Everybody say listening to what he had said, but listen to this, but Martha was overly occupied and was distracted with much serving. You know, sometimes we can get so busy serving Jesus that we spend no time seeking Jesus. And I believe that every single person that calls themselves a Christian should serve in some capacity within the life of the church because we're a family and that's what family does. And if you love God, you can't help but serve God. But when it gets dangerous is when everything about you comes about what you're doing. When everything, when your relationship with God is all about what you do, friend, you're in trouble. Because your relationship with God should never be about works. It should be about your love for Him. And because you love Him, you do stuff. You don't do stuff to get His love. You do stuff because of His love. And I know that I went for a period of my life when I was a youth, youth pastor and I had to pull out because Trinity was sick and I came to this realization that any time I ever read my Bible was to get a message. The only time I ever prayed was about my message. The only time I ever worshipped was when I was freaking out because I had to speak at youth or speak at church. And my relationship with God was via what I did instead of who He was. And so now I have two journals that I have when I... When I sit down with God, one is my journal and one is a journal for the church. And I have two times with God, two kind of moments. One where he speaks to me and that's for me personally. And another one when he speaks to me and that's for the church. And I don't mix the two because it's about my relationship with him first, not what I do first. Are you with me this morning? And Luke, uh, it's in order to hear God's voice, you're going to have to turn down the world's volume. Don't, don't have a deaf heart. Don't let yourself talk or what's happened to you or decisions you've made deafen you that you can't hear God's voice. 
and don't let your heart get distracted by the noises around you. And Luke 18 verse 14, it goes on and it says, and then the seed that fell among the weeds stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Everybody say mature. I don't, I don't know about you, I'm not a great gardener. In fact, our landlord said, um, you know, would you be able to look after the gardens? And I said, mm. I'm just, my idea of looking after a garden is spray it with Roundup every couple of weeks. Let's look, it's all good. That's my idea of gardening. Some of you are like, sacrilege. I'm just not a gardener. But it's one thing I have learned in my years of experience as a gardener is that you don't have to try and grow weeds. They just, they just do it themselves. They just happen all by themselves. I remember once we were living on Thomas Moore Place and the weeds were probably a little bit out of control in the garden, I must admit. And one of the neighbours put an you know, anonymous letter in our letterbox asking us to sort out our gardens. It's like, meh, get stuff. <laughs> no, I did it. I did it, eventually. You know, the reason is, is because that person drove past our house and saw all the weeds. And if you drove past a house that was just overcome with weeds, what would you say? It's one word. You'd say, it's neglected. That garden is neglected. It's full of weeds. You see, we can neglect our hearts sometimes. I call it the immature heart. Number three, the immature heart. It's the I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but that's all I need to do. I'm not going to do anything else. I, I, I'm in heaven, but it's neglected. You've gotten saved, but you've not done anything more. It's an immature heart. And I believe that God would say, you know what, it's not enough to just be saved, you've got to mature. You've got to grow up. Paul said this, man, you've been, you've been drinking milk for far too long, you need to get on some meat. You need to grow up. You need to get a little bit deeper. It's time to go deeper with God. It's time for your relationship with Him to be different. You know, if you've been a Christian for several years and, you know, 20, 30 years and you're still not lifting your hands and worshiping Him, friend, it's time for you to go a little bit deeper. It's, it's not enough just to be saved. It's like, you know, Trinity and I, every day, we have adult conversations we we sit down and I have a coffee and she has a cup of tea and and we'll talk about things about the kids we'll talk about things about our finances we'll talk about things about our relationship we'll talk about things about the church and we have an adult conversation every single day it's it's sophisticated and content because we're mature adults having a conversation and so the conversation is at a mature level but but when I come into the office and little Jaira Cooper's there, the conversation goes a little bit something like this. Hello, little Jaira. Hello, little fella. Come on, give me a smile. Come on, come on, give me a smile. And the reason why, I, I, I can actually have a better conversation than I actually can use words and stuff, but, but I have a conversation like, with Jaira because... That's the level of his maturity of understanding. 
And some of you are so dissatisfied with your relationship with God and what God's saying to you, but it's because you're immature and all God can say to you is, hello, little fella. Because you've not grown up. He'd like to have an adult conversation with you, but he can't have one. Because you've never matured yourself. You've just got saved. You've just got saved. You turn up to church every now and then. Mommy, every two or three weeks, once a month, tick the box, I've come to church. Friend, that's not serving Jesus. I'm sorry, when you love him, you do way, way more than that. When you understand what he has done for you, when you see the evidence of what he has done for you, God does not become an add-on in your life. He becomes your whole life and everything else becomes an add-on in your life. It says this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things shall be added to you. It doesn't say seek ye first your career and spend $150,000 on becoming a doctor and add Jesus on your life. We spend so much money in this life not understanding that what you do in this life affects the rest of your eternity. And I can tell you, I'm not saying don't be a doctor, but I'm telling you this, some of the things that we think are important here, God says it's just wood, hail, and stubble, and the Bible says that it will get all burnt up, and all that's left is precious stones. Now, I'm not saying don't have a nice house, don't have a nice car, don't have a great career. I want all those things for me. I want all those things for you, and I want all those things for my children, but they are not more important than being in His house every single week being in a connect group, serving in a team, attending a conference like we've got coming up at least the nights because you're saying, I want to mature so that I can have mature conversations with God because every single one of us wants to do something of significance, but you can't do something of significance while the conversation is, hello, little fella. Are you hearing me this morning? I don't mean to growl you. I'm just trying to help you because you're so frustrated about where you're at and your walk with God, but it's not His fault. It's time to grow up. You know, we did 21 days of prayer and fasting at the start of the year, and people always take off with a hiss and a bang, and went about three days, and got people, oh, I couldn't handle it. Yeah, you can. You can actually handle going out with food for 40 days. It's scientific proof. It's just you're not disciplined enough because you're not mature enough. You need to mature yourself. I don't want to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and pray. Neither do I. It's not fun. I don't think at 5 o'clock in the morning when I wake up or whatever, it's like, woohoo! Especially when your kids get home from youth at quarter past two in the morning. It's not wahoo. But you know what? I don't know about you, but yesterday I made breakfast for the family. Then I made dinner for the family. I don't really like doing that. But I have a responsibility. It's called maturity to make sure my kids are fed so they don't die. Do I enjoy doing dishes? No. But if we don't do the dishes, we'll probably get some sort of bacterial growth on them. Maybe the cure for cancer. I don't know. But mold and mashed potato don't go together. You have to wash them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not trying to 
pull you down. I'm trying to encourage you. Come on, friend, it's time. It's time. Don't let an immature heart stop you from having mature conversations. Come on, it's time to go deeper. It's time to lift our hands and worship. It's time to tithe and trust God with our finances. It's time to get connected into something, serve in something, do something outside of ourselves. It's time to be in, I don't know what it means for you, but maybe in this season you're like, man, you know what? I'm actually going to give God a go here and I'm going to go a little bit deeper in this season. I'm going to make sure I'm in church every single Sunday of these five weeks of this series and then I'm going to rock up to the, at least the night meetings of the conference and, and, and I'm, going to give this thing, I'm going to give this thing a thorough go and see what happens. And friend, I'm telling you, if you will do that, God will have mature conversations with you. Because I know that as Jaira grows up, when he's 13, if I go up to him and go, hello, little fella, he's going to be like, you're an idiot. My, my conversations with Jaira will improve as he matures. Your conversations with God will improve as they mature. God wants to have a sophisticated conversation with you, but it requires you to grow up. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says this, since we're surrounded by so many examples of faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We must focus on Jesus. Goes on to say this, it's talking about being mature, it's talking about letting things go, it's talking about growing up, it's talking about going deeper with him. But I want to read that again for you and I've highlighted the we's and the us in it. Since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially the sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We must focus on Jesus. Why? Why, why is that so important? Because you can't mature alone. You can't mature alone. Our kids don't mature on their own. They mature because we instruct them. You know, people that turn around and say that all I need is me and Jesus, I say this with all the love of my heart, but you're a fool. Because Jesus said we need one another. Jesus said this, confess your sins so that God may forgive you, but confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. If you think it's, all you need is you and Jesus, and I can get through this problem, and I can get through this situation, I don't need anybody else's help, you're a fool. Because Jesus says you need each other. Iron sharpens iron. Good conversations. You know, me and Murray have been on the board and that together for ooh, nearly 11 years now. I love Murray. He loves me. But sometimes we have iron sharp and iron conversations. Yeah? It's not a bad thing. We still like each other most of the time, eh? But you need it. You need somebody to say, hey man, that attitude sucks. What's wrong with you? Don't, don't be saying that. Don't be doing that. I went for a period there when I was preaching where I keep on saying things like, Boots. And I, please, this is really well, it was really dumb of me, but I went for it for about oh, I don't know, about five or six weeks ago. So retarded. 
And Murray goes, don't say that. <laughs> what if there's some person that turns up and, you know, they have a mental illness in that area? You just, oh, okay, thanks, Murray. <laughs> you need it. It helps you to mature. Come on, friend. It helps you to mature. I should be getting a whole lot of amens from the wives because you just spend your whole time maturing us guys. And we're still just big kids at heart. You can't mature alone. You need people to talk to, to be honest with. You need to take down your walls. You need to, you need to have that conversation. And here's what happens. When you do that with somebody, when you can find someone that you can trust to have adult conversations with, you'll be surprised how quickly you mature and how quickly those adult conversations happen with God. I say this, maturity comes when you stop making excuses and you start making changes. Maturity comes when you stop making excuses and you start making changes. Luke 8.15 says this, and this is where we get to the good part. I always want to finish on the good part. I always want you to leave on a high, not a low. It says this, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Everybody say good heart. Shall we try that again? Good heart. This is the good part, remember? Who hear the word? Well, there's a nice little bit of a puberty moment. Retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. I call this the prepared heart. The prepared heart. We've looked at the deaf heart where our voice drains out the voice of God. We've looked at the distracted heart where we just get distracted by things. We've looked at the immature heart where we're just not really growing in the things of God through our choice. And so God can't talk to us in a mature manner. But this is the prepared heart. And the prepared heart is this. I don't want you to worry. People so worry so much about what God is saying. Don't worry about what God is saying. Just get your heart prepared and then you'll hear what he has to say. And so you're, you're saying to me this morning, well, how do I prepare my heart? Good question. I'm going to give you three ways for you to prepare your heart. The first thing is this, is repent. Now, please, sometimes we treat the word repent like it's, like it's a bad word or it's a word that we should be ashamed of. Repentance or repent is not a bad word. Repent just means this. You're going in this direction and you just decide to change direction. That's all it means. It means that you're walking one way and I'm like, you know what, I don't want, I don't want to walk this way anymore, so I repent and I walk the other way. And if you've been walking the wrong way, don't sweat it. Just turn. Just repent. Are you with me this morning? We, we, we make it seem so hard sometimes or like, like God is upset with us. Here's the cool thing about God. God says if we repent, he will forgive you. Not he might, he will. So if I'm walking in the wrong direction and I'm getting things wrong, like, like when I was saying retard all the time, it's, and Murray says something to me, it's just, it's really easy. It's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I won't do that anymore. God forgives me. I'm okay. It's all right. Don't stress just because you've been going the wrong way. It's really easy. Just turn and go the other way. Just repent. Just deal with it. Then refocus. You know, maybe get to bed a bit earlier at night so you can read your Bible or pray or listen to worship there's a habit I've gotten out of I used to always listen to worship before I used to go to sleep and I probably need to redo it because I remember a guy saying once a preacher saying this once that how you end your day is how you start your next day and 
So I used to always end my day on worship, so I'd start my day on worship. You know what I'm saying? I used to sleep better as well, but maybe you need to go to bed a bit earlier or get up a little bit earlier or start reading your Bible. And here's the thing, once again, don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty if you haven't been reading your Bible, if you haven't been praying. You don't need to feel guilty about it. Just start. Just start. You know, like I haven't been reading my Bible, okay, I repent, sorry, I'm far and sorry about that. And just start. Don't let the enemy make you feel guilty. Don't let him wear you down. Don't let him distract you. It's just a distraction. Oh, oh you're, you're all Christian now, are you? You haven't been for the last five years. Just shut that voice down. That's just a distracting voice. Turn around and say, yeah, well, I'm not going to be immature anymore. I want to have adult conversations with God. Turn and just start to do it. But don't beat yourself up because you haven't been. You can't control what you've done, but you can control where you're going. Are you with me this morning? We focus too much on where we've been. We need to focus on where we're going. And then third thing is, so first is repent. Two is refocus. And the last thing is revive. Just ask God to revive you. Just pray, God, send revival to my heart. Send it. If you've got a deaf heart, God, make it here again. If it's a distracted heart, God, stop the distractions. If it's an immature heart, God, help me mature my heart. I want to hear your voice. I want to know what you're saying. It prepares the heart and it helps you fall in love with Jesus all over again. In 2 Corinthians 7.1 in the message, it puts it this way. I love it. It says this, let's make a clean break. You know what? So you haven't been reading your Bible. So you haven't. You know, let's just make a clean break. Let's just cut that clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without, and let us make our entire lives fit in holy temples for the worship of God. Let's just make a clean break. Let's just cut that off and let's just start again. Let's just do a fresh start. You know, about four years ago, four to five years ago. I went for a, a, a spate of massive depression, real massive depression, where I had days where I didn't feel like I could keep going. I, I wanted to quit here. Uh, I, the only th- it used to take me all week, I was so depressed, it would take me all week just to get a message to give it a preach on Sunday. I'd preach the message on Sunday and then I'd go home and I'd just go to bed. I was in a bad state. I hadn't told anyone other than Trinity I was in a really, really bad state. I was, I was ready to walk away. I was so, it was such a dark place. It was such a bad place. And, and, and I'm mean, sitting in the office and I'm doing anything but what I should be doing. I'm watching a movie instead. And just, I was just in a really bad space. And Trinity comes up from work and she says, come on, let's go for a walk. The only thing I can kind of explain to you before this process took place and I explained to you what the walk was all about in a minute was is I felt like I was in the doldrums, you know? You know, the doldrums is actually a place on earth where sailing boats go into and there's no wind. And they call it the doldrums and it's because their sails are up and they look like a sailing boat but they actually don't go anywhere. They just get stuck. It's, it's, it's just there's no wind. They're just stuck in this place and... The boats just sit there for days on end, looking like sailboats with their sails up, but actually going nowhere. And you know why? I, I actually know 
how some of you feel today. Some of you actually feel like that sailing boat, that your sails are up and you're still expected to sail, but you just don't feel like you're going anywhere. You're a mum and you're still expected to be a mum, but there's just no wind. And, or you're a spouse with no wind, still expected to be a good husband or a good wife. Or you're a leader with no wind in your sails, still expected to lead. You're just in this doldrums place where there's just no wind in your sails and I, and I get exactly how you feel because I could not hear God's voice. I could not hear, I was in such a bad place and Trinity comes up, she goes, let's go for a walk and she says to me, as only Trinity could, either snap out of it or quit, but I've had enough. God bless you. So much love. And then she said to me, you need to read this book and then you spend, you need to go and spend days with Jesus. I'm like, you don't understand. I don't, I don't. You know when you're in that place, the idea of spending time reading your Bible is just, it just seems impossible. And I, so I read this book that she gave me. I spent two days reading this book and I could feel the, the wind starting to come back into my sails and then I spent the next two days just reading my Bible and just writing stuff in my journal about how I was feeling. I started to feel the wind coming back in my sails. And then I sat down with the board of Murray and said, hey, look, I need to go to some conferences. I need to get some wind back. And I went to a conference in America and I started to get the wind back in my sails. And what I can tell you is this, is that with each step I took, I could start to feel the wind coming back in my, into my sails each step, one after the other, just doing what I could do. Slowly but surely, the wind came back into my sails. And then, and then I got to this place where, where, where God was so clear in what he was saying to me. It completely transformed my vision and my ministry. And it was like he was sitting right next to me, speaking in my ear. And what I realized now, looking back on it, is that with each step I took, I dealt with my deaf heart. I dealt with my distracted heart. And I dealt with my immature heart and I got my heart to a place where it was ready. I repented, I refocused, and I asked God to come and revive me. And, and I heard him so clearly. And you know what I heard him talk to me about? I heard him talk to me about you guys. I heard him talk to me about the church. I heard him talk to me about the daycare center. I heard, and this is where the vision started to come. I heard him talk to me about the cafe running full time, even on Sundays during our church services where they may not be able to hear the service, but they can see it on the big screen. I heard him talk about a retirement village. I heard him talk about tertiary education and a Bible college. I heard him talk about the Freedom Center where people could come. They couldn't afford to get counseling so that God could deliver them and heal their marriages and rescue them from sexual abuse and all sorts of stuff and see them whole again. I, I started to get a vision of you and, and the church and all that could happen. And, and that's where the vision of all this came from. And, and, and then now recently, God's been speaking to me again. And now rather than just seeing that in this location, I feel like God's talking about us having that in 10 locations throughout our country. Because it comes from this place where the wind comes in your sails and it starts to blow. And all of a sudden you start to come out of the doldrums. And I started to come into this place where God started talking to me about you. And I, I need you to know this morning that, that from that day on, I just feel like my love for you, every single one of you, just keeps growing all the time. I know Trinity's exactly the same. And I, I can't explain 
what God gave me in that moment, in that time, that love that he gave me for, for people, for this community. I don't see myself ever not being here. I don't ever see myself shifting out of the community. I don't ever see myself pastoring the church because you certainly don't want me doing it at 89 years of age, but, but I don't see me leaving because I just fell in love with the people, fell in love with this community. I feel like God gave that to me in that moment. And you know what? And all the problems that there may be, the joy of my life has been able to be your pastor. And it's just the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's the greatest thing that happened to me. I love every minute of it. So thank you for letting that happen. But I understand something, that all of that came out of this. It all happened because I got my heart in the right place. God's voice is clearest in a prepared environment. God's voice is always clearest when we've prepared the environment for him to speak. You can't grow kiwi fruit in Antarctica. It has to be in the right environment to produce. God can't speak when the heart is deaf. God can't speak when it's distracted. God can't speak when it's immature. It's not that he doesn't want to. He just can't because it can't produce. Remember it says here that the good soil yields a crop 60, 80 or a hundredfold. You see, if you want to hear the voice of God, then you've got to get your heart prepared so that your heart produces the crop. Why don't you all close your eyes just for a moment across this place? And I don't know everybody that's here this morning, but I know this. I know that God has been speaking to some of you and maybe you don't know Jesus, you've never given your life to God, you, you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, friend, he's been speaking to you all morning, trying to get your attention, he's saying, man, I wanna save you. He's not upset with you, he's not angry with you, his heart breaks for you. God is all about saving us, he's all about restoring us, he's not about judging us. If you're here this morning, you mean, I've never given my life to Christ, or I know I'm not in the right place that I should be with him this morning. And friend, there's no need for you to be condemned about that or embarrassed about that. To repent just means to go, you know what, I'm just not walking in that direction anymore. I, I think 2 Corinthians is for you. Let there be a clean cut this morning. Forget what happened last week or last year. Let's just clean cut and start again. That's what God wants to do with your life this morning. He wants to save you. Clean start. Clean cut. Forget everything that has happened. If you're here this morning, you know, Craig, I'd, I'd love you to pray for me that I would receive Christ as my Savior or that I get my life back on track where it should be with Him this morning.